Hello and welcome to another episode of What Comes Next, a show all about the technologies that will shape your future. I'm Rob Kellner. I'm Amy Dickens. And I'm Kwaku Akamensa. Hi guys, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Yes, doing, uh, doing pretty decent. Yeah, I'm definitely doing pretty good. I'm, I'm kind of got tunnel vision right now because I've got an exam coming up. So uh, yeah, this is like me out meeting real humans in the world for the first time in a while. So obviously we're recording this on Halloween. So if anyone hears Spooky. any, yeah, if anyone hears any kind of odd noises or screams or giggles, then that will be our colleagues having some fun. Good excuse, Rob. <laughs> Do either of you guys have uh, Halloween plans? Uh, yes. Well, as you can see, I'm dressed as a giant pumpkin. No, I haven't got a costume. I've got no. I've got no plans actually. It, it's yeah. It's, it's one of the first few years where it just hasn't occurred to me. Maybe this is my 30s again. This is just like it doesn't. Halloween doesn't enter my register. I'm, I'm thinking about Christmas already. I haven't even gotten to Halloween mode. Yeah, for me, it's not really a big thing. I'm going to meet up with some mates for dinner, but definitely like not Halloween themed. But the office is going for it. There's like chocolate everywhere it seems like everywhere you turn around there's a bucket of celebrations and whatnot so i've been gorging myself on those recently i am the self-proclaimed queen of halloween and it's a holiday that i amy just love. is not wearing a costume the, let, me explain. let me explain i like pride myself on being having excellent costumes every year but for the past two years like time just catches up with me i just think it's the first of october i've got loads of time and then suddenly it's the 31st and i've done nothing so yeah, I think I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to have to give away the crown. What's your, what has been your best costume? So one year I dressed up as a Christmas tree and uh, I, had, I had a green surely dress. Surely you can't do that. <laughs> had a green dress. <laughs> you can't dress up as another festival. My friend made me a crown with a star and baubles hanging off it. Green dress, brown tights, little like pink present shoes. And then uh, I, I wrapped tinsel around me as a feather boa and then had lights around me and went to a party and plugged myself in. Nice. That's pretty sick. Yeah. It yeah, was that an outfit, crazy. definitely 10 points for that. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, Told you, actually, the queen a, of Halloween. Electrics of any kind, but then plus they're like actually needing to plug yourself into a wall. Yeah, that's okay. That's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. <laughs> How about you, Quaker? Have you ever had like a, like a sick costume? No, I was just thinking, well, I've, I've done like a couple of all right costumes, but I'm like a proper last minute person. So it mm. tends to involve like masking tape in a bin bag or something like that. Do you know what I mean? It's never really like a full on like, yes, let's embrace this um, uh, outfit. I did though, one Halloween, um good friend of mine uh, used to run this massive Halloween party every year. And um, she was also a makeup artist, like a, a nice. professional makeup oh, cool. artist. So there was this one year where um, me and her boyfriend basically like had like full on like, is it called like prosthetic? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, cuts yeah. and grazes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it was so realistic. Whoa. Did that with like the the kind of zombie eyes. Yeah. Uh, and it was like terrifying. Really, really cool outfit. That's awesome. So, yeah. Scare Shout yourself when you look at the mirror. Um, Halloween parties, man. They were the one. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So this week we have a really special episode for our listeners. We are playing a new game. This is called Next or Not. So here's how it goes. Basically, each of us take it in turn to pitch a technology that it's a real technology, um, and we're going to try and convince the other two that this is going to be, if not the next big thing, then part of sort of the future of technology, part of what comes next. Okay, so Quaker, I think you're up first. Yes, yes, absolutely. So 
I'm actually uh, really confident with this um, this company that I'm about to pitch to you guys. <laughs> it. it is uh, answering a problem which I think a lot of us can uh, can definitely uh, understand, and that is understanding what is and isn't real online. Mm. Uh, the company okay. that I'm pitching you today is called AstroScreen, and they are in the business of cybersecurity, but specifically as it pertains to social media. Mm-hmm. So the idea of AstroScreen is that they interrogate uh, online posts and figure out whether online trends have come about organically or whether they have been put together via spurious means. Now, this obviously has an insane amount of uh, applications and implications moving forward. Um, a lot of us are gaining most of our news from online resources at the moment. And what AstroScreen is pitching to the likes of brands, to the likes of governments even, is to understand the difference between a real organic trend that shows the, the kind of temperature of a nation or of a consumer base versus a few, you know, spurious players online, um, uh, internet bots that have put together a trend. Right. And they can even break down a trend into its constituent parts. So the interesting thing that, um, that I learned about when I was researching um, AstroScreen is that when a nefarious trend is started inorganically, there's a kind of a biting point where it turns into an actual trend. So a lot of the uh, boycotting campaigns that you'll see online might start out with just one or two spurious characters or maybe uh, online bots that seed information in certain areas. But after a while, that snowball picks up its own momentum. And so it turns into an actual trend and obviously an actual problem for somebody, whether that be a brand or a political campaign or whatever else. Now, um, the interesting thing here is that Astro Screen have got a few ways of detecting um, what these uh, what these trends uh, look like when they're being faked. Um, so this uh, this led to me understanding one of the most crazy jobs that anyone has that I've heard of, right? And that's to go on the dark web, right? So this part of the internet that, um, where everything is encrypted and is uh, essentially underground. You can't trace any transactions that go through there, um, and to buy the services of um, nefarious characters who can sell you um, chatbots that basically make up these trends. And what um, Astro, Astro Screen are doing is they're buying these and then they're feeding the information from these bots into their own algorithms to analyze them so that they can then identify them in the real world. Wow. Oh, that's really cool. Really, really wow. cool stuff, right? I mean, so just like the, the idea of somebody, you know, uh, kind of going online and, and, and trying to find these, I guess, like pirate resources for, um, uh, for starting, um, starting trends for whatever, whatever reason that might be. But the real interesting thing here is when you start to think about what that actually means. If you have the power to manipulate an audience online, then you have the power to make money, to start conflicts, to start God knows what all. Mm. Um, and in the era that we're in at the moment, um, I think that there's there's no way that we're not going to see AstroScreen or a company like it doing very, very well in the near future. Okay. Okay, so first of all, really interesting. Um, so I guess the first question I have is, so the idea is that AstroScreen is able sort of to kind of, um, like a cybersecurity team is able to kind of detect the early signals of an attack like a DDoS attack, and then kind of head that off, they're able to sort of pick up the beginnings of sort of artificial trends, trends that are designed to attack things because certain people have paid to do that. And then 
arm the company or the individual or the political party that's the victim or the subject of these attacks and then sort of find a way to head it off like they then have that information and they can combat that that's correct it's arming the um, mm. the companies or the individuals with the information they need to to deal with that um that form of attack i guess it's like a, a social cybersecurity attack something like that so so yeah what they're doing is is as i say arming um users with the information they need to to do something about those um uh yeah those attacks i'm thinking of something kind of um i've got this image in my head of like what is the origin of thought what is what is the origin of a movement really and i know that this pertains you said specifically to social media which is very very interesting and I think some of the implications that I'm really interested in with, with this is like, what does this mean for news? What does this mean for like other forms of digital information that's being put out there? Because, you know, there are, way, there are many more ways that we can get manipulated other than social media. So it's very interesting that this is kind of tackling this one area, which we know is a huge problem. I mean, we... We know social media already has had effects on politics and certainly on the economy. Um, so yeah, I, I I think the it would be interesting to see where this goes or what a similar technologies start to do in the future in terms of like yeah the origin of a, an idea. Where, where does it actually come from? I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think that um, where you could quite easily see this expanding into is uh, some form of uh, a verification. Um, yeah. For for any kind of uh, online information that is taken seriously. Yeah. So at the moment, the sort of major news outlets are the places that we go for information, or largely the places we go for information, because we believe that they've got some kind of internal system that, that they need to have verifiable sources, right? Mm. Whereas you probably have more and more and more spurious um, uh, fountains of information elsewhere. And actually, one of the factors that that um, the Astro, Astro Screen use is um, author, authorship attribution detection. So essentially what you're talking about there is, okay, well, where exactly did this original point of view come from? Mm. Another thing that they have is coordinated activity detection. So if you have one person that is trying through digital means to make it look like there are a thousand people, then they can actually find the um, mm. the signature traits of that same writer <laughs> and pull them back and show you exactly where that where yeah. that came from. So really, really interesting. We're talking, you know, almost to the point of like a kind of forensic tool yeah. for for decrypting. I mean, it is a forensic tool. Like. But that's yeah. exactly what yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. It's um. So yeah, really, really exciting. And because and I, the reason why I've picked this um, company is because, you know. This is only going to become more and more and more poignant as mm. we um, as we move forward mm. like, into this social media era. Brands already place so much um, importance on their online image. We're getting to the point where we're now seeing things like um, fake imaging, fake video, fake audio uh, that's available. That's high fidelity as well. Mm. So I think that something that's ahead of the curve like this that can that can. Um, give us more clarity about our online environment and the sources of our information can only do well. Absolutely. I think there's something quite cool here, which is that what it's, it seems like what it isn't trying to stop is the, the benefit of social media, which is giving voices to people that don't generally have voices like in the mainstream, right? So things like the Me Too movement started with this groundswell of people who had, um, you know, experiences, that, you know, as described in Me Too, 
And that was able to gain momentum because people were sort of genuinely sharing experiences on social media that created a wave, which has created change. That's obviously completely different to the really nefarious usage, which is like you say, these coordinated attacks, people paying for um, waves of sort of emotion and aggression on social media. So I think that's really cool. It's separating the two. Amy, what do you think? Is this next or not? Next. Yeah, I'm going to go with next two. Awesome. Nice. <laughs> First win of next or not. So, okay. So Astro Screen is next. And speaking of next, Amy, what is your technology? All right. I'm going to go down a slightly different wave here. And uh, I'm going to hit you guys with the world's largest 3D printer is now printing rockets. Oh. Wow. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> So (laughs) the company is called Relativity Space, and the product that they're creating is called the Terran One, I guess, Terra Earth uh, One. And um, basically, they're using liquid aluminum, or aluminium, as you guys would say over here, to print (laughs) rockets. Like, they're literally printing rockets. Um, The printer that they use is called the Stargate. It's the largest 3D... It's the largest 3D printer currently in the world, metal 3D printer currently in the world. And um, yeah, the, the rockets that they're, that they're printing are intended to fly in low Earth orbit. So they're not quite going to the moon just yet, but low Earth orbit. Um, they already have four customers signed up for a trial orbit of the Earth in early 2021. So we're not talking about wow. like miles in the future here. We're talking about early 2021. Sorry, we're talking about... Passenger, passenger rockets. Yes. Passenger rockets. Machine. Yeah, wow. yeah, Finnec. yeah. Um, the U.S. Air Force has approved their construction of a launch site at Cape Canaveral. So this is like serious business. Oh my God. And also NASA have leased them a facility where they're, they have their factory. And their factory is going to allow them to print 24 rockets per year. Which, oh my gosh. you know, in terms of manufacturing a rocket, that's pretty speedy. How, um, how high do they go? What's the, the altitude of the rockets? So low Earth orbit is um, 2,000 kilometers above the Earth's surface and has an orbital period of between 84 and 127 minutes. So, okay, so they're building this, 3D printing these rockets. Like, yes. How much assembly is required? Well, this that? is the thing. So the reason why they're doing this is because it's really, the costs are so high in building a rocket, but it's actually not raw material costs, it's labor costs because they have thousands and thousands and thousands of parts. And you need somebody to put all those parts together. And then you obviously need them to be tested, safety tested. And that's more labor hours. Companies like SpaceX are trying to slimline that. So they're trying to lose some of these component parts. Um, but they still have thousands of like manufacturers that they're dealing with. There's loads of raw materials coming in. It's very costly. So what this is kind of doing is it's, it's printing a lot of this stuff already in situ so that you're minimizing the amount of separate parts that need to come in. And then they'll obviously still need the human testing. The labor costs will still come from human testing and checking and all of that kind of stuff. But the main cost savings is in labor hours for the um, putting together of all these tiny bits mm. to create the rocket. Wow, okay. Do, do they have um, any idea of like... Rough, rough cost savings or like kind of you know like uh so the, i mean like you said they're printing 24 rockets a year so it's much faster yeah. so yeah is there a is there a, like you know I, I know cost is a big thing is there any idea of how much money they'll save it's certainly not that i've come across i don't think i think until it's a feasible project and they've actually got someone up in the air and they have a finished project then the costing is more of a reality right so they'll be able to to tell what the actual cost is versus the cost of building an actual rocket but 
Yeah, the, the, the article that I was reading, it, it just like it just made my mind kind of explode into the future because their their sort of mission is that these 3D printers will be set up on Mars and it'll be like a launching station for further into space. Oh, so that's kind of what they're, wow. okay. they're looking at. And uh, yeah, I mean, you guys know how I love space. So <laughs> this one really appealed to me. That's so cool. The idea of, um, yeah, the idea of someone printing a rocket on Mars to then go off and, you know, explore wherever places, <laughs> yeah. God knows where. That's, um, yeah, that's, that's pretty incredible. Um, when, when is their first flight? Have they done one Early already? Early 2021, they say. Man, it's proper sci-fi. Yeah, Seriously, and that's like yeah. not that far away. That's, what, 18 months? So um, how, how much work is done on the rockets after they're printed out like i'm taking it they're not like literally coming off the assembly line and, and flying right no and as as far as i'm aware so far they've not printed a full rocket so okay, cool. the, the, it's it, they're still working on the the kind of printing of the rocket um although yeah the, the i i did the information that i have i don't know in terms of like how many sure, sure. parts they're lacking or uh, uh, when we can expect the full rocket to be printed yeah. and 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 fixed up, but yeah, I just think it's a really exciting turn for the future. Oh, absolutely! You said they they had customers on board. They have four customers signed up to do the low Earth orbit so far, and so these are like tourists. I'm assuming so. Yeah, they just said wow. four customers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll be raffling off one of those places <laughs> yeah. in the next episode, and I'll be taking that place. <laughs> We were, we were trying to raffle off two, but then Amy just got yeah. Okay, so Quaku, Relativity Space and its 3D printed rockets. Is this a next or not? It's a next from me. It's 3D printed rockets. Come on, man. Let's let's get that shit moving. Let's go. <laughs> uh, yeah, 3D printed rockets. And the idea of also being able to kind of produce rockets when you're on another planet so you can kind of either come back to Earth and move on from there. It's definitely a next from me. Yes. Uh, so we're two out of two in this episode so far. Pressure's on, Rob. Pressure's on. Uh, okay, so I went a bit, I went a bit out there. Um, More out there than printing rockets on Mars. Well, uh, we'll see. Maybe not. Uh, I, I hope so. Okay, so um, this is actually in the news a couple of weeks ago. So some of you may have heard of this already. It's a company called Telecom Paris Tech, and they have developed something called Skin on Interface, which is basically human-like skin, which you can use to, which you can attach like a computer or a smartphone and use to interact with a piece of technology through touch. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. You'd be surprised the amount of articles I read today where that was the angle they took, surprise, surprise. Yeah, so basically the idea is that one of the things holding us back from interacting with technology and maybe through technology kind of each other in a, may, in a maybe sort of more sympathetic or empathetic way is that we, we don't have this ability to like physically interact with devices um, and so one of the things that rather than just like kind of tapping and swiping the skin would allow you to do things to your phone like literally pinch poke and tickle so imagine that that's like, so creepy imagine, i know it's kind of creepy <laughs> i mean the one I, I read that i thought i kind of cringe but i thought about this Rob, have like, you always wanted to tickle your phone <laughs> <laughs> it just it's, <laughs> I, I can't comment <laughs> <laughs> you cheeky little Samson, come here. <laughs> come here. You're going off in a meeting, you. <laughs> okay, so yeah, that, there are lots of creepy. Okay, so, but the, okay, the thing, the, the sort of non creepy thing I was thinking about is um, a, like the alarm clock, right? 
And so, uh, you Where know, there, this going? There, there are a lot more, it goes off and there are lots of ways. So one of the, one of the other things is that basically it allows you to communicate emotion to a phone um, in the sense that like, if you're just kind of poking it, it's like you want its attention, you know, you want to wake up like a phone, but if you're kind of like gripping it, it's just like you're, you're holding it and you happen to be angry. So it's a way of communicating emotion. And I was thinking, what if you, you know, woke up and the, you know, your alarm clock went off and you were just like super tired. Yeah, exactly. You just slapped it. And you're like, right, I'm not going to snooze for nine minutes. I'm going to snooze like 25 minutes, right? I'm just, I'm just going, right, you need some sleep. I understand that. I'm going to be quiet for longer. So that was kind of one of the sort of the easy examples I was thinking of. But yeah, so I think this is sort of the big, I think the t- how it works is quite interesting too, because basically what you have is you have, um, the epidermis, uh, the epidermis and the hypodermis. The epidermis is like the layer of skin that you, you know that everyone can see. And the hypodermis is a couple of layers down, and then the dermis is is the layer in between. So what happens is that um, as you kind of put pressure on the top layer, there is a bunch of sort of copper circuitry in between the two layers, and depending on how compressed that is, it changes the strength of the vo- or the voltage of the electric signal in the mm. system so basically it detects pre- it's a basic, basically a pressure sensor it just has more flexibility than let's say your phone does um and then obviously because it it can detect pressure in different areas it can detect things like stroking it's hard to talk about it without sounding creepy um but it's also i think it's the sort of the future applications are there's a couple things one run right now i do accept it's just a bit just a bit creepy um but the long-term application is a couple of things. One, the sort of, like I said, I think communicating emotion to technology is really important for things because technology has a really big impact on our mental health. And so maybe if you're holding your phone and you're reading tweets and you're getting increasingly angry, maybe it sort of picks that up and there's an algorithm that says, okay, we'll show you less like volatile information to help you kind of calm down, right? So I think that would be kind of cool um, as a kind of one, one application. And then it's also, I think, on the road to kind of just more anthropomorphized technology. So things that are a bit more human. Again, I think that kind of just creates, in a world where technology can be a bit sort of, it's, it's, it's ubiquitous, but it can also be quite cold. It doesn't really replicate sort of human or sort of like pet-like companionship. Maybe it's kind of one step towards that. And so that's a couple of reasons why I think it's possibly the future. But what do you guys think? I, so does it feel, it doesn't feel like human skin, surely? So they say it's on the way. So the material itself is silicon. So yeah. it's not perfectly like skin. But what they're trying to do in the future is do things like hair and goosebumps and sweat glands and all that Whoa. kind of stuff. So they're trying to get to a point where, I mean, my, my guess is this company long term is trying to create synthetic skin for things like more lifelike robots, basically. Mm. Um, but at the moment, no, I think at the moment it it looks quite skin-like. It has sort of, you know, kind of blotches and imperfections and stuff. But no, I think it's it's a little far away from being really nice. Where my mind is is going is like I've I've just totally skipped over phones and robots and all that kind of thing. <laughs> I'm going straight to burn victims. Right. Like I'm wondering if there's a medical implication here of like skin because at the moment we do skin grafting, but if there's like a, a I, I've not I haven't read about this technology, so I don't know if this is crazy. But if there's like a way to you know, it's almost like a, um, it's almost like a prosthetic, right? You know, it, it's like a kind of a robotic skin, but there will still be a sense of touch. I, I guess then you're dealing with like the human nerve system too to connect it up. But I think this is a, where my mind went. No, I think that's a really good point though. I think, um, admittedly, this company hasn't mentioned anything about the sort of prosthetic yeah. angle, but I think you're absolutely right. If you can create a synthetic skin and then link that, you know, 
use electric signals to link that to the human nervous system to create a sort of some sort of sensory mm. level i think you're absolutely right then you're mm. creating sort of a skin prosthetic which as far as i know we're nowhere near doing at the moment so i think that's definitely an interesting way this could go no that's kind of cool kweku let us know what you're thinking <laughs> well yeah on the um on the um prosthetic skin angle i'm just sort of wondering whether something of this nature will overtake uh, the genetics angle because obviously you know geneticists are trying to grow all sorts of different organs at the moment they're growing I think mm, yeah. the spinal cells of mice at the mm -hmm. moment they're mm. getting pretty close to, to cloning those and obviously some of the stem cell research that's going on at the moment means that we should theoretically be in a position to grow any sort of tissue that we want very um, accurately replicating it completely accurately replicating it so I'm wondering where the w I'm wondering where the gap is for this technology. The the idea of um, a skin on top of the kind of devices that we have today doesn't particularly seem to me as something that um, that is going to fly. But the idea that um, having some form of artificial skin that we can interact with. That in itself, I believe, will probably end up spawning all sorts of new technologies because it completely changes the interface, right? Mm. You're, you're, you're changing a huge um, aspect of that tech. So I'm a little bit conflicted on this. Ooh, okay. Um, but I think... Okay, wait, hang on. I'm going to ask you the question, okay? okay. Right. Quake you. Next or not? I think it's a knot from me. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a knot. I like the uh, the implications of where this tech is going, but in its current permutation, I don't think oh, it's. Uh, I don't think it's for me. No perfect score today, Amy. Next or not for you? I really hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I think I'm also a knot. Oh, yeah. um, over. I think it's really cool and really interesting. It's perfect for Halloween. Um, but yeah, the thought of like, like, I'm just envisioning human skin on my phone, which is really grossing me out at the moment. <laughs> yeah. So I can't really get past that. But I mean, like I said, if there are, um, future implications for prosthetics or for helping people who, um, like for, if there's like a medical purpose behind it, I, I think that that's like quite admirable and that would be really cool to see at the moment in terms of like, I'm just thinking of what I would use it for. I can't really imagine a future where I would I would find it necessary in my life. Sorry. It's tough to hear. Okay, so it is... So skin on interface from Telecom Paris Tech is not a next. It is <laughs> not. It is not. Um, thank you guys very much. I really enjoyed that chat. Stay tuned. We've got a lot of amazing interviews coming up in the next few episodes. We just finished a big interview with a company building the world's first and only cloud-based operating system. We got companies turning plants into plastics and companies doing amazing things in the haptics world. So stay tuned for those. In the meantime, happy Halloween and see you soon. Happy Halloween. Cheers, guys. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of What Comes Next. Make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. If you have any questions about anything we've discussed on today's show or any comments or would like to share your own game-changing innovation on what comes next, then drop us an email. We're at wcn at grantry.co.uk. Thank you very much again and see you next time.